your Bibles this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And for those of you that this is home, we have not had a church split, I promise. We have had, uh, as you know, our church family is very, very active in the Trace Diaz community. Not only the men's weekend, the women's weekend, but now VN. Our youth are on a uh, leadership retreat as well. And seriously, the flu pandemic hit a, a group of people from uh, the Trace Diaz weekend and they came and shared it with everybody. And so I'm just grateful that I'm not among the number today. And if you've ever had the flu and someone asks you to pray, you know how to pray. You pray for them that they'll be well. 2 Corinthians 3.18, would you stand with me this morning? And I will not embarrass him and ask him to say anything, but it's a great joy to have Rob Farr and his family with us. Would you all welcome them this morning? Yes. <laughs> Rob and his family have been uh, ministers from the middle of the pack, the front of the pack, the back of the pack, in this middle Georgia area for decades and have meant so much to so many people. And because of their role, uh, countless people's lives are changed. And it's a joy to have you guys with us today. 2 Corinthians 3.18, one verse. I'll be reading from the King James Version and then the message paraphrase. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, we are being changed into the same image from glory to glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord. So notice, not by will, not by uh, character, not by determination, by beholding, by nearness, by exchange with God. We're being changed from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. The message paraphrase says this, All of us, nothing between us and God, our faces shining with the brightness of His face, and in this way we are transfigured much like the Messiah, our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like Him. You may be seated this morning. When you hear the word or say the word transition, when you hear it in a sentence, I'm in transition, it can be, a, it, sometimes it won't even roll off your tongue good. It can carry negative connotation. It can carry uh, uh, doubt, feelings of trepidation, primarily because of the unknown, transitioning. It's different than change. Change is the actual, re or the actual establishing of the new chapter. But transition is I'm not really in the old chapter and I'm not fully in the new chapter. Transition can be easy or difficult, exciting or foreboding, energizing or draining, easy or hard. Transitions are made easier when we know God, when we see God, when we trust God and when we have expectation of God. Transition is the process of letting go of the way things used to be and embracing them as they are. I am convinced, and y'all, listen, we're kind of short in number. Y'all can respond to me today. Amen, oh me, grunt, hallelujah, anything will help today, okay? That was a joke, by the way. I'm convinced that that's why God gives parents nine months to transition. Nine months to prepare. See, it's not the change when you, when you bring the baby home that's not the change. The change is transitioning from the way life was to the way life is. In the parental part, being a new parent, when I tell people, I love to see their reaction when I tell them I have a 34-year-old, an 18-month-old, and two three-year-olds. And without a doubt, without fail, especially the older men will look at me, they'll pause. It's like they buffer when they're thinking. And then they'll go, Why? When you adopt, you might not have all of that time to prepare, but when, by the time the woman says, honey, put your hand here, feel this, there's nine months to prepare for these changes. You're going to change from being free, freedom, to unyielding limitation. From fully rested to perpetual sleep deprivation. From wishing you had someone to call your name to wishing someone would shut up. My brother Mark told me, he said, you're going to spend the first six months to a year 
begging them to talk. And you're going to spend the next 18 begging them to shut up. You got to transition from taking pride in how you look to happy to have brushed your teeth. I came home the other day. Uh, I come home several times during the day. And uh, Kelly was so excited. And I said, you look very nice today. She goes, I bathed. Now, unless you've had three under three, you don't understand. Listen, I'm setting you up with some of these things that we find common, but many Christians struggle when the, the normal becomes not normal and there's a new normal. I didn't know who would be here today, but the Lord has a message for you that He is the God of transition too. And sometimes He gives you time to prepare for, and other times He just navigates you through it as it happens. But transition, people don't have a knack for transition. For the believer, transition becomes more lubricated, more easily navigated when you see God, when you trust God, and when you expect and anticipate God to come on the scene for you. Life is filled with transitions. Oftentimes, it's the transition, not the change, that overwhelms us. The transition to adulthood, uh, the transition to higher education. You remember when you graduated high school and you had your little B average, A minus average, and you went to college? You get that first report card or the first midterm, and you, you call in home, and this is before internet, you call home and go, Mama, they're serious here. This school is, this is serious. The, the, you, you have to transition from your part time job as a teenager to a career job. I had a young person tell me the other day, it just, I just have to share this with the middle-aged people. And I got plenty to share with you this morning, so don't, don't just bear with me. I saw this boy. This is the tiredest generation I've ever met in my life. In my life. He's 21, 20, 22, somewhere around there, you know, still finding himself, extended adolescence, you know. I said, buddy, you okay? He goes, Pastor, I'm tired. I said, well, you look tired. He goes, yeah, I just worked a double. I said, man, those are brutal. He goes, yeah. Seven to ten this morning and three to six this evening. I said, man, you ain't worked no double. You ain't even worked a single yet. When you transition to adulthood, clarity comes. And there are people in this room that are in the most difficult spot in their life. Maybe they're transitioning from healthy to sick or from sick to healthy, from poverty to means, or from means to poverty, from being in the background to the forefront, or being in the forefront now transitioning to the background, from being loved to being unloved, or from being single to being married. How do you navigate these waters of impending, life-altering change without having the skill set to transition them. That's what I want to talk to you this morning, by the grace of the Lord, about spiritual transition. And you can apply it to the natural as well. Would you pray with me as I pray for myself this morning? Father, I just submit myself to you this morning as fully as I know how, with all my flaws and my failures and my weaknesses. And I ask that you anoint me today, Lord, for your people. I pray, O oh Lord, that you would forgive me of my sins and my shortcomings and my failures and that you would um, help me to have the courage and the character to grow up into you in the fullness of what you ask and expect of me. Use me today for your glory, I pray, God, so that your son, his kingdom, would be uh, magnified in this place and in the lives of the people that call this place home. In Jesus' name, amen. What is transition? We know what change is, but what is transition? It is the time and space necessary to take you from one place to another. God doesn't do magic. He doesn't take you from single and put you into marriage. There's a transition period. And even when you, even when you say, I do, you may have not yet. When the preacher said the two have become one, they may not have yet. And there's a transition in music. You, you don't just make the notes collide into one another. You'll end a tempo, a melody, a key, 
and it transitions into something else. And our problem is that some of us have not learned that dance with the Lord, how to transition, how to hold Him close and navigate when you're in between worlds. In the last year, we've had people that buried their husband at an untimely time, people that buried their children, people whose retirement was stolen from them. How, how do you transition from what you had to what you have? God gives you space. God creates a place for you to walk with Him that gives you the capacity to navigate between where you were and where you are. When God was calling Abraham out of the land of the Ur Chaldees to the land He would later show him, the time between the departure and the arrival was the transition. Time for God to visit him. Time to receive promises. Time to build altars. I thank the Lord for transitions. I, I truly do. I see them today differently than I used to. They're not the sign of impending doom. They're the sign of, pre they're the sign of prevalent grace. It says, I'm not going to leave you in this just to navigate it on your own. When God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt into the promised land, the wilderness was the transition. Egypt, promised land, and the wilderness was be, to be the transition. But they bucked the transition. They resisted it. Maybe it was out of just not knowing how. They didn't know who they were. And it's a funny thing about change. It will introduce you to who you are or who you aren't if you'll let it. And I can prove it to you. The question was, well, we know how to be slaves. How do you be free? I, I, it's too lame a joke to use, so I would never use it. But since they were in Egypt, you know, they knew how to walk like... Uh, <laughs> talk like... And so when Moses goes... <laughs> that was so bad. So when Moses goes up into the mountain to meet with God and God takes his very finger and writes on the tablets the Ten Commandments, Aaron, not knowing what had happened to Moses, now watch, not knowing what to do, reverts back to the culture he came out of, took all the gold earrings and bracelets from everyone and fashioned this golden calf and lifted it before the people and said, this is your God. When Moses came down the mount and saw the people dancing naked like pagans, around a calf, you know he was thinking, what's, what's wrong with you? He said, we don't know who we are anymore. And it's in those transitions, the Lord wants to establish in you the new identity you have in him. Every time he takes you from a tragedy, every time he takes you into a new normal, every time there's change spiritually, it's because God is orchestrating. He's weaving. He's wanting you to come into the fullness of your knowledge of who He is and who you are. The goal of life here is not to get us comfortable. The goal is to prepare us for the one to come. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Everything that changes requires transition. Seasons have transitions. Did y'all enjoy the four days of spring we had? <laughs> Spring's supposed to transition us into summer. Fall's supposed to transition us into winter. If you look, first the natural, then the spiritual. God gives us many examples to watch how he did things in the natural realm so we can have an idea of what to expect. Not an exclusive idea, but a, a general idea of what to expect when he deals with us. Music has transitions. Business has transitions. But very few places is it more readily seen than in adolescence, physical and spiritual. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, an adult, I became a man. That's transition. I put away childish things. That's the change. You see, when I became a man, that's the transition, the becoming I put away childish things. That's the change. And we are being changed. Those of you that are new believers, those of you that have given your life back to the Lord or reestablished your faith, you're being changed from carnal to spiritual, from being self-centered to God-centered, from authentic to inauthentic, from temporal to eternally minded, 
from unaware to being aware, from being served to serving others. The maturing process is God's design. He is changing you from glory to glory. Do you ever feel like you get everything set on the table and God just takes the tablecloth and goes, wow, but the plates don't stay there? You ever feel like you're building, maybe I'm the only one, it makes me feel good telling it. You build your little card house and you get it up there and you turn all the air conditioners off and you go, look, look. And God goes, oh. oh. And the whole thing comes down. If you didn't know better, you'd think that God was against you. I'm learning that it is the spiritual dexterity that I'm learning the value is found in me knowing who God is and how to let His Spirit reign in me. The value is found there not in can I build a card house. You do understand everything in this world is just like bubble wrap. You do understand that you're the only appreciable asset in the world. You do understand that everything that you see is going to be burnt with God's eternal fire. Nothing makes it but you. You're the project. You say, he just keeps disrupting. It's just stuff. It's not, no, no. You're, you're on the wheel. And if you'll learn to dance, how many of y'all are true dancers? I don't mean what we see today. I don't mean that. But I mean, ballroom, anybody got any of that? Any ballroom sauce? Anybody got any of that? Nobody? Anybody proud of it? I ain't going to tell them. Oh, I, okay, I see you. Have you ever tried to dance with, oh, oh, okay. Pepe, you dance? We might have to turn on some music here before long. Get, watch Eden, Eden dance and Pepe blush. We can watch this. Okay. Have you ever danced when two of them want to lead? And then finally one of them says, they let me lead. Grit teeth, let me lead. Could it be that much of the problem in our life is not that God is disrupting. He just will not let you lead. He just, no. But when you learn his rhythm, and you say things like, I am not what I do. I am whose I am. I'm not known by what I do, but who I belong to. And if, as you let the Lord lead, you'll find that transitions become easier. The change happens more naturally. And you're beho you behold Him more clearly. No one likes to lose people or things. And I'll get to that in a moment. But those things happen and happy is the man that knows how to navigate between A and B, letting the Lord lead. I remember, even though it was many, many years ago, about 60, I believe, when I was in college, and maybe you've had this experience too. Do you remember once you're there, like uh, your sophomore or junior year, and the freshman class comes in, and he brought his letter jacket? Y'all remember? And he... He was the big guy in Osceola, Georgia. Everybody knew him. Captain of the football team. His girlfriend worked at Dairy Queen. You know, hey, that rhyme. Yeah. And he gets to college and he wears his jacket and it's got a, you know, a duck or a turtle on it or something. And he immediately, after the first couple of comments and looks, he realizes that ain't so cool anymore. And he takes that jacket off and he realizes, oh, I've got to transition from where I was to where I am. And there's some boys that won't take the jacket off. They quit school and go back home and you'll see them at their 30-year class reunion wearing the same coat. Now listen to your pastor. I'm no stranger to pain or sorrow. God invites you to take off certain coats that still fit so he can give you coats you've never wore before. And he does it through transition in between places. I'm going somewhere. Give me just a minute. It's taking a while, but I'm going somewhere. Transition can be divided into several parts. Waving, walking, working, waiting, and welcoming. I'll give them to you again for those taking notes. Waving, walking, working, waiting, and welcoming.
The waving means when you're ready to say goodbye. You know it's time and you're saying goodbye. Moses came to a place where he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter anymore. And with it went the privilege, the wealth, the, the inheritance, everything. He said, that's it. I would rather be identified with the uh, very poverty-stricken Jews, the people of God, than be called Pharaoh's daughter's son ever again. I remember for me when God saved was gracious enough to grant me pardon in July 6, 1986. I gave him my life, my past, my heart, my tomorrow, all in. That's, that's all I know to do, just all in. And I remember going into the fraternity house where I had spent the last four, four and a half, five years. I was on the six-year plan. Um, I went in and I folded up all of my fraternity jerseys all the t-shirts and my brother's pin on the top. He said, well, did you have to do this? Yeah, for me, I had to. And I walked in and I went up to the bar. We had a built-in bar there. And I said, hey, boys. And I said, uh, said what's this? And I said, I, I've, I've got to be brother. Now, I know a lot of people say, you know, well, there's nothing wrong with that. And for me, I knew the great, great change was coming for me. And if I was not willing to wave I would carry all of that into the next chapter and some things were for that chapter alone it could be youth it could be immaturity it could be foolishness wise is the man or the woman that understands that that chapter's over and some of them say well man I understand you know some cussed me oh so now you got Jesus you're just holy I said I'm not judging you, I'm judging me. I'm not strong enough to live in this environment. I've been saved about a week, 10 days. And I remember walking out of that fraternity house. You may think this is very insignificant. It was a top five moment in my life. I remember walking down that walkway, the several steps, and the tears had already soaked my shirt. Every friend I had in the world was in that fraternity house on that campus. And I waved goodbye. Some of you, God is bringing you unto himself, but he's not going to let you bring all this other stuff with you. This next change is going to require waving. It's going to require walking, putting distance between you and yesterday. I have found that distance is critical. It's way better than willpower. Distance is it is like uh, hydraulics. It gives you power that you didn't know you had. Did you know there's a 0% chance of me getting shot in Atlanta today? For one reason. Y'all will find that some of the simple things I tell you are very profound. Distance from that old you. Distance from the way you used to. Distance from those friends. Distance from those things that kill and harm you. If you're not willing to wave or walk, you'll find yourself, if it's close enough, I can just fall back into it. But I can't fall into Atlanta today. So waving, walking, and then working. It takes a lot of strength to begin again. Did you know a rocket uses almost all of its fuel just trying to break the gravitational pull? To leave the earth it's very hard to surrender everything to the Lord and work that out where you live and where you work it takes a lot of energy but when you break out of that last chapter whatever it is whether it's evil or immaturity or just a chapter that ended it's like when your kids move out and I'm not making light please don't take offense but for my empty nesters they're gone well, I just, I'm going to leave the room the thing. They're still gone. And I see people who mistake their love for their children and add a nobility to it that they don't continue to live. The greatest thing you can do for your babies is be whole and well and love your spouse for when the days they come home and be with them. I didn't get any amens, but it was still very true. But how do you know, how do you know when you've, crossed over to the next chapter it's like that rocket that just shakes and shakes and then it comes out you say I'm okay I've transitioned it doesn't mean I won't have difficulty it means that I'm okay 
raising this baby by myself. I'm okay. I'm okay with this limitation. I'm looking to the Lord as my healer, period. But if nothing else changes, I'm okay because God is leading and I sense His hand in these things. I remember when I answered the call to preach right after I turned my jerseys in. Uh, it's, it's funny how when you close one door, another door just mystically opens. And I felt the Lord inviting me to come work beside Him, called me to... Uh, giving me an assignment, an opportunity to be a preacher. And I remember that first year, and I don't say this to brag, it's an illustration because I've done just as many stupid things on the other side, but when I felt the call, I knew I didn't know his word. And for probably a year and a half to two years, I read the Bible four to eight hours every day. Because to go into the next chapter, I had to prepare. There's a, it's not just waving goodbye, putting the jerseys on the bar didn't create a, an understanding of God's Word. I had to study the Word. It wasn't just waving. It wasn't just walking. It was a working. I feel called to be a medical missionary. you got to go to school. You, I'm, we're going to have a big family. You're going to be tired. You're going to have to work. It's one thing to point at something and say, that's just where God's taking me. You do understand to get there. There's going to be a lot of transition. Weight loss is my favorite subject. It illustrates it perfectly. I'm going to lose 30 pounds in nine days. No, but you, you, you got to have a system in place. You got to do without some things. You have to add some things. You have to transition. Because if you just lose the weight and never change the mental habits, food talks to me. Food, like as I've gotten older, it was never this way in my 30s, 40s, but now in my 50s, I, I mean, I never, I don't eat candy, I don't like sweet stuff, I like, I'd rather have a bucket of chicken and sit and watch TV and eat fried chicken, you know. But now, like right before I go to bed, I go, key lime pie. No, 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 the pie, you understand? Not a sliver, the pie. But if, if I'm trying to live healthy, I have to, I can, you know, the Lord does want you to enjoy life. I can have some, but you have to change those decisions. You, you have to work towards, I want to be financially independent. You've got to work towards, oh, I just believe the Lord's going to bless me. Uh-uh. Oh, no, he will. Uh-uh. May I give you Bible? And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so. The ungodly want shortcuts and magic. Oh, I just admire your success in your field. Did you admire the preparation? So, waving, walking, working, and then waiting. Transition can seemingly be unending. And we often mistake willingness for readiness. There's still a wait. I remember as preparing for ministry, for the next change, huge change in my life from being a drunk to being sober, from being uh, sexually immoral to being chaste, and then from being ignorant to the Word of God to being a student of the Word of God. There was that time where I was neither. And you're waiting for something to happen or doors to open or the Lord to use you. And that wait can make you question, have I heard the Lord? Am I even going in the right direction? But God will give you tokens along the way. Uh, cloud by day, fire by night, manna that falls. He'll let you know in the transition that He's with you. But the successes don't come right out of the gate. Physically, maritally, emotionally, you got to wait. While you work, you have to wait on the Lord. Wait on Him to fulfill that in you. And then there's the welcoming which means when you see the next chapter, nothing facilitates change better and more quickly than receptivity, embracing the next thing that God is doing for you. Number two, very quickly, the perspective of transition. Why is transition necessary? Because you cannot stay where you are and go to the next place. You cannot remain who you are and become who God has you to be. And because you cannot change without changing, the greatest indicator of your expectation of tomorrow is your preparation today. The person who is not prepared for change will resist and hate the changes to come. 
Have you ever drove behind or ridden on a yellow school bus? Not the new ones, not the new ones, the old bleached out faded ones. Have you ever rode in or behind one with a new driver? Have you? I remember in, when I was in high school and went to Central where I got my education, and we'd ride the school bus and they'd put somebody, who's this? And they'd get on there, oh my goodness. You'd hear it go, <laughs> what in the world? And you just wait on the next one. It began to be, it was just a hush fell over the bus waiting for her to go to the next one or him to go to the next one. You saw how I backed out of that and added a hymn, didn't you? For that. <laughs> and then somebody would, you know, holler some, if you can't find it, grind it. And Transition is in many ways like the clutch in that bus. It allows you to change gears without causing damage. Buses with inept drivers spend a lot of time in the shop. God wants to grace you with a hidden invisible understanding and rhythm to where no matter what happens to you you can find the neutral that'll get you to the next place if you're pulling a hill you may have to go from fourth gear down to the first gear and wait and work the clutch just right y'all remember get, driving the clutch for the first time and you get on the big hill people don't even pray oh lord don't let nobody get behind me and then somebody with a Lexus right up behind you, and you're in a Volkswagen. You're like, oh. Do you remember? That's fear, especially if you're in daddy's car. That is fear. But when you're really good with a clutch, I remember driving a motorcycle all through uh, school and having a clutch. When you're really good with it, you're not the one, frust you're not the one fearful. It's the guy behind you. And you remember playing, anybody ever play games with him? And you go, and, they, and you can see the frantic. They go into reverse and back up. Oh, how about that? You want some more? When you can work the clutch, the fear part is gone. And I hope you don't think this is a light message. This is going to be the difference between a year where your praise flows freely and authentically because you are confident regardless of the incline in your life. Because God has taught you how to navigate. I remember going to uh, pick up a girlfriend at the time during one of the few ice storms we ever had. We were in school, and the, the, we don't have snow. We just have, like, sonic ice dropped from the sky, you know, through a shredder. And ice had already accumulated on the roads. And you don't, don't drive a motorcycle on ice. That just ain't smart. That just is not smart. And I remember going up to my buddy Bragg, and I said, uh, hey, can I borrow your Jeep to go pick my girlfriend up at the airport? He said, sure. And he threw me the keys because she was going to be stranded there. It's going to ice for three days. And so I picked her up, and she said, did you drive your bike here? I said, no, I, I drove Bragg's Jeep. She goes, I didn't know you could drive a clutch. I said, I couldn't. I didn't tell him that. I couldn't. Listen, till I could till I needed to because I understood what a clutch did instead of cursing the clutch if you'll learn to say oh Lord I don't know exactly what you're doing but I'm gonna be right I'm, I'm in between gears now whatever you whatever you want me to do, just lead me just guide me okay here comes a hill come on learn and you learn a rhythm and the older Saints I love sitting next to them and watching them navigate crisis. They get the call. They get the report that it's malignant. They get the news that the child is pregnant out of wedlock. Or what it, just whatever it is along the way. And they'll go, hmm. You know what they're doing? They're finding that, it, okay, what's coming? Okay, that chapter's over. My grandbaby's going to have a baby. Mama's not on the scene. She's going to move in with us. Okay, okay, okay. That calmness lets those around them know that they are confident that the God of the last chapter is going to be the God of this chapter and the God of the next chapter 
and the God of the final chapter. Maybe you ain't never drove a four-wheel drive before. Desperate times call for desperate measures. And if you're going to learn to drive, learn in somebody else's car. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Sorry. Number three, the pain of transition. Why is transition so difficult? It's difficult because it has an element of uncertainty about it. Because you cannot control the time of it. You cannot control the pace of transition. Most changes are forced upon us. We react. You cannot control the location of it. You cannot control the duration of it. You cannot control the cost of it. Transition is difficult because you're out of control. You've either got to find your control again or rest in the one who has control. It's difficult because you cannot control the opinions of others during your transition. Everybody's going to have an idea about you and talk their observation. And they don't know what you're going through and they don't know how the Lord's navigating to the four winds what they think. You just drive your car. It's hard because you cannot uh, choose how you feel about it, only how you react. Transition is the evidence that a chapter in your life is over. When I transitioned from marriage, married to single, I just about broke off all the te teeth in my transmission. But it taught me something about myself. Please hear my heart. Don't add anything to what I'm saying. What it taught me was I can be all together somebody's and all together have my trust in someone else. Losses have a way of cutting lines to a hot air balloon. And you'll feel your life do this. But the older you get, you only got one or two ropes left. And the idea of going home doesn't scare you. My wife and my babies are my world here. But I'm not, my trust isn't in them. That's the difference. And when your trust is in people or systems, or companies, or goals, or ambitions, or your abilities to do things, you're going to be disappointed. And I've learned, I'm learning as I grow older, to put my trust in God alone. And to recognize when a chapter's over. I, every time I play staff youth football, I understand that that chapter's over. <laughs> had somebody tell me, I was so proud of the compliment, but then I had to balance it. They said, Pastor John, you can still throw that football. I said, yes. No, really, you can throw it the length of the field. Why, yes. And the next day, I couldn't brush my teeth. I'm like, Kelly! Kelly! Oh, you think I'm kidding. Go to put your shirt on. Oh, 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 oh! Any of you guys start back working out and try squats? You ain't done squats in 30 years? You try to walk down steps? Oh, 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 oh! And you finally, grown man sitting on his butt going, <laughs> all the way down. Why can't we say that chapters are over? It doesn't mean life's over. It means that with the same way that I lived fully there, God wants you to live fully in every chapter. Abundance and lack, sickness and health, richer for poor, better for worse, and to live. And to live doesn't mean you get up and don't uh, give up and don't have faith but it means that I'm okay in the transition every transition in your life will cost you you're going to lose some things like the apostle lost their the apostles lost their careers you're going to bury some people like Jacob buried Rachel it says that on the way to Ephrata Jacob buried Rachel it means fruitfulness on the way to fruitfulness the woman he loved more than life itself and worked 14 years for the opportunity to marry her. And he loved her so greatly, the Bible said, that those 14 years were just a few days for him. And when Rachel died, a part of him died. But he could still live. He could still go forward. It's learning how to live when you've lost those things. Transition causes us to make room for some things. Like the Shunammite woman, when she saw that Elisha was a prophet, the voice of God, she built a room on her house to adapt, to, to have him stay more often, for God to speak to her. 
What I'm trying to tell you is this. If you aren't willing to pay the cost, you aren't going to be able to receive the full change that God has. And I'm talking about believers here that God is directing and guiding their life. It all, it's often what we cling to that keeps us from what God has prepared for us. Transition is difficult because it's transitional. It's temporary. You can't even get comfortable in transition. It's like wearing a sign around your neck, pardon my progress. Well, what are you doing? I don't know. Sometimes you know when your wife is, you know, 11 months pregnant, you know what's coming. But other times you don't know. But you know that you are transitioning yourself. And, it, and because you can't settle down in the transitional part, you can't even put roots down. It's difficult because others can, they can take the trip with you, but no one can do it for you. Transition is difficult because while it's here, it demands center stage. You can't transition and do anything else at the same time. I don't know who that's for, but you can't do it. It takes center stage. It takes the microphone and says, I am here. It's all about me. It can be consuming. Very quickly, number four and five, the peace of transition. There is a peace there, even if you've never felt it, even if you've never asked for it. There's a peace available to God's children who are in transition. It's found in knowing that it is God who orders our steps. Psalms 32, 8, the Lord will lead us along the best pathway for our life. Everything's connected. There's a peace. In, this peace is found in knowing that what follows has come through the hands of God. Whatever is coming my way was either planned or allowed by God. I want to stop here just a moment. Think about that. Planned or allowed by God. We are not to fear tomorrow. If we fear the Lord, we don't have to fear anything else. And if it is the impossible thing, there will be grace to navigate it. The revenge of this skill to transition is that you aren't ever afraid of anything. You don't desire it, but whatever's dealt you, you know that you have the gear ratio to make it. You know that you and God can come through this. Every situation. The peace of transition is found in knowing that God will not increase our capacity without filling it. And God will not give us hope without realizing it. The peace of transition is that it gives us time to rest. Much needed rest. Time to recharge, refocus, and recommit to all that God has for us along the pathway He has chosen for us. I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning, but I know in my heart this is specifically for someone here. This isn't the time for productivity. It's the time to rest. The next chapter may be difficult. Hitherto, you've not passed this way before. And when Elisha was, or Elijah was about to go into the next chapter, the Lord came and sought him out in the cave and ministered to him and gave him bread and, and water and laid him down through an angel woke up again, he fed him again, and he said, this journey is too difficult for you. And he rested again. And after that transition, the Bible said he went in the strength of that meal for 40 days. Could it be that the thing we're resisting is stocked full of all we'll need for the next chapter? Ben, if you peace of transition is found in knowing that at the end of every chapter in my life, I am one chapter closer to seeing the Lord. You know, I'd hear stuff like that when I was in my teens and twenties, and it meant nothing to me. But I've buried people. I've lost people. I've been at the hospital when they're born. I've had the joys of the first birthday. I've had the feelings of renewed hope and love, restoration, all those things. And I'm learning now at the end of every chapter, instead of looking at what's behind, I'm going, I'm another chapter close. My book, I'm in the last part of the book. And I ain't scared. I feel like I'm beholding his face. It gets closer 
and closer. And I know his blood, his son has cleansed me from all sins. And with every chapter, I go, how many chapters does this book have? That's the, that's the peace that floods the saint. My story is being written by the hand of God himself. The highs, the lows, the losses, the gains, the joys, the sorrows. And in the end, all this and Jesus too. All of this and the Lord too. And when I get home and he starts over and he folds the heavens up like a tablecloth over his arm and makes everything new again. It says, and there shall be no more sorrow, no more crying for the former things have passed away and God has made everything new. In heaven, there are no more transitions. You're home. And finally, the power of transitions. It's found in understanding, accepting, and appreciating the value that God gives you this time to prepare. It's found in understanding that change is only temporary because the change will change. The power is found when we walk with God we know it's connected to his best. The powers that transition leads to change and change leads to life. The power is found in realizing that transition gets you, gives you time to prepare yourself for what God has planned. And we know that glory is right around the corner. Those of you that call this place home have heard this story many times. But again, I didn't know who would be here, and it is my story. I remember. When I got saved, I had a Damascus Road experience. It's not that it's the only way, but it was like God knocked me off my mule. Everything I, okay, God, I'm yours. And right before I answered the call to preach, I heard his voice for the second time in my life. Not audible, but you know, an impression. And I answered out loud. He said, John, can I come visit? Yes. And then it was just quiet. Yes. And I, I, did, I, I was really, if I remember correctly, I just kind of like sat on the bed and thinking this angel's going to appear or God's going to appear. I'm like, all right, it's on now, you know. And I looked in my closet. My closet was open. And there were these jerseys and t-shirts and things that I would have been embarrassed of for the Lord to see. I saw artwork on the wall that was profane and in my headboard. Y'all don't know what a waterbed is, but I had a waterbed. Waveless. You can't have waves. Somebody big, get on one side and shoot you all the way to the other side. You gotta gotta have waveless. And on the headboards were these uh, little uh, liquors. All the different sizes of alcohol, I mean, uh, vodka and bourbon, whatever, lined the headboard. And I remember saying out loud, I said, no, Lord, not yet, not yet. And I had a Budweiser trash can that a keg used to go in. That was my dirty clothes hamper. A lot of clothes. That's a lot of loads of clothes right there. And I remember dumping the clothes out, and I went through everything in my house. Now watch. The waving, the walking working I tore the pictures down the music back then we had cassettes vinyl I everything that I would have been embarrassed had he seen it I put them in this uh, trash can all the clothes and I went through uh, shot glass anything through my house now when you're college you know that's college poor you ain't got a lot in your house to go through and you got a papa's on chair and a dog that's about it you know but I got everything in that trash can and I put it in the back of my first Shark 71 Cutlass Convertible, 226,000 miles, leaked like a sewer. I put it in the back of it and I drove behind Piggly Wiggly number 15, which is now next to Red Lobster. There's a school educational building there and behind there, nobody but me and God and the devil. And I drug that trash can out to that ledge and one by one, I threw those things down that hill. There's the working, throwing it down the hill. And I got in my car to drive off, and I just had the idea to turn around. And I turned around, and there was that trash can. I got out of my car, and I've never sensed evil 
in my life stronger than I did in that moment. It's like heaven and hell collided for me. And I grabbed it by the handle and I said, for every beer I've ever drank, God, I ask you to set me free. And I just slung that trash can down the hill. And I'm a new believer, so I didn't know if it were demons coming at me. I got in the car and was gone. I, so here's what happened. It's not really profound. It's not really mystical or magical. I went home, shut my door, put my dog outside, unplugged my phone from the wall, and sat on my bed and I said, you can come visit me now. Better yet, Lord, would you live with me? And I clutched from the old life. Something from that day forward in me changed. The drunk was becoming a man of God. And I had the power to do it by His Spirit. What is God saying? In this room, we could be everywhere from someone's not a Christian becoming a Christian. Someone that's carnal, God's calling you into holy life. For me, it was that was the day I stopped being a child. I put away the childish things. I wonder if you find yourself in a place of transition, however across the board it is, would you be meek enough to just come and stand here? This ain't, you don't need my prayer. You just need to tell the Lord, I know I'm in transition. And with you, you lead. Let's do this. If that's you, with every eye open, I want you to come stand around this front. the Lord would know such a different message for a Sunday morning only the Lord would know Brian would y'all cue that song for me do you mind guys in the altar if you just bow your heads and we're going to surround you with worship as you pray and talk to the Lord about your situation to declare to you my past is over in you well things are made new surrendered my life to Christ I'm moving
Sorry, that ended quickly. That's what it sounds like when you don't have a clutch. Give me just one minute more and we're going to pray for you. I hope you don't feel like I was minimizing when I said you turned the chapter. My sister buried her husband. How many years? How many years? He's been gone 18 months. How long were you married? 40. When that happens, that was an abrupt thing. How, how are you still raising grandbabies? How, when your children are watching you? I'll tell you how you do it. Watch what a clutch does. I wipe tears with one hand and I worship with the other. You learn how to navigate. And the promise of heaven says, Oh, this chapter happened late in my life. I'm close now to the guaranteed reunion. Jason, I thought of you this morning. You're, how old are you? You're just like me in my mid-twenties. People are watching like, what is going on? We don't just remodel the house. You're just knocking the whole house over. Like, you're transitioning. You're changing. And the beauty of it is, nobody else has to know where you're going for you to go. You just... You go. Now, I've waited all morning to tell you this one thing. I really have. From the womb to 53. And by the way, Melissa Comer's boy, when I asked him to guess my age, he said 42. <laughs> CC. From the womb to 53. All of this has been transitioned. Everything. And there's a day coming very soon when it goes into gear and everything in this world stays except what I've sent on it. Your whole life's transition. This ain't the dance. This is the dress rehearsal. Heaven's our home. It's our home. It's our home. That sickness you navigated and still you're getting a brand new body. To the Christian, life is good. It gets really good. When you learn how to use the clutch, you can pull any heel. Pepe, I know I called on you about two months ago, but you're supposed to pray, I believe, this morning. Will you come? Now, I love when you pray in Spanish, but you got to give us some English, too, so I can be blessed. <laughs> so you go in between them and take your time, okay? When I pray in Spanish, it's because the Spirit guides me. Well, then you do that. You do that if you need to. Estamos aquí reunidos para ti, Señor. En este día, Señor Jesús, tú sabes lo que tenemos. Sabes lo que acarreamos, Padre. Te pedimos que nos guíes, Señor, y nos ayudes a salir en estos momentos difíciles de nuestras vidas. Señor Jesús, por la sangre que derramaste por nosotros, Padre. Te pido, Señor, que nos cubras y mandes el Espíritu a esta tu casa, Jesucristo. Señor, tú nos ayudaste a salir de donde estábamos y rompiste las cadenas. Y yo, hoy, Padre, hoy somos victoriosos, Señor Jesús. Hoy hemos salido de donde estábamos. Gracias por ti, Padre, y por tu sangre, Jesús. Te pido por toda la congregación y nos lleve, Señor, a seguir conviviendo con nuestras familias y nuestros hijos. En el nombre de Jesucristo. Amén. May I bless you before you go? And may the God of peace that passes all understanding guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and God will direct your paths. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water and will not be careful in the year of drought, neither cease yielding fr fruit. For God is your refuge and God is your strength. He is a very present help in your time of trouble. Blessed be His great name in your life. Amen. Have a wonderful week. God bless you.